Any missing blanks? We'll start with, I'm sure there are probably some missing blanks. Oh. First three. Oh, you're parenting. The first three blanks are required. Wisdom is required of all Christians. James is correcting false claims to wisdom. Two, D, two. Every form of evil. Every form of evil. You all good, Lee? No more blanks? Okay. All right. There we go. Two, B, two. It lies. What the ESV translates is false. Could just easily it lie. Lie against the truth. You're making false claims. You say you have wisdom. You're putting yourself up as knowing something, and your your wisdom is contradicting God's wisdom. Mm. Don, what you got? Good works. Good works. Two twenty-four through twenty-six. That's another one of my, like, life-shaping verses. <laughs> no, seriously, James and that together, um, as, as someone who um, was willing to and saw the need to enter into controversy and disagreements, when I went to Word of Life, I had a lot of disagreements there. Those passages, this passage in Second Timothy, have been cr- crucial because the temptation, for me at least, is to think, um, this is great. Meekness is great, except when you got to confront. And what Second Timothy makes clear is the Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome, kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting. So apparently it is possible to correct without being quarrelsome, being gentle, right? So, like the, so it puts the two together. The temptation is to think we're nice and we're meek and we're gentle until we have to rebuke. And passages like that make it clear, no, 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 no. You can rebuke in gentleness. You can rebuke in a godly way that's appropriate. And same thing with, um, with, uh, this, with this passage. The, the godly wisdom. I mean, James is, what's, what's he doing? He's correcting people. He's shutting some people down, right? So you, you can do it. Jesus is always meek. It's not like Jesus is meek except when he's not. Jesus' rebukes are meek. Um, although... I was talking to Daniel about this earlier. Your rebukes are to look different depending on who you're correcting and what your station and relationship to them is. I, I correct down at my children, right? So they're not my peers, right? So it doesn't mean I can be harsh with them, but it's different than when I'm working up. My child correcting me should look different than me correcting my child. That, that's the point, right? So Jesus, Israel's king and Messiah, correcting people, might look a little differently than his followers doing it. I mean, they're saying the danger is to just love the you brood of vipers who told you to flee the wrath to come, says Israel's Messiah and King. Okay. I mean, it doesn't automatically work one-to-one, that therefore I get to go say that. Maybe it does, but it's also possible Jesus gets to say that and not so much me. That's all I'm saying is, is not, it's just you got to work through it. You got to th- think, think it, through not just 
This is one of those John the Baptist moments. Again, John the Baptist, Old Testament prophet, rebuking God's covenant people is different than me having something to say about President Biden. As much as I want to think it's not. Yeah. Right. Well, no, but that, that's entirely true. Think, I was thinking of some examples. So Peter uh, correcting Simon Magus, right? Simon the sorcerer. Your, your gold and silver perishes with you, right? But you could say that in a scornful way, or you could say that in a solemn, your gold and your silver will perish with you. And so I want to read it like this, like just slam. But I don't know how Peter said it. And so, at the very least, I got to guard against readings that are those, at least, I, I mean, I know I made an emphasis on the mic drop. It's, that's my temptation. My temptation is to be the clever guy. My temptation is to be the snappy, I love it when I see it in other people. I'll rewind debates where James White or, or uh, Doug Wilson or somebody, just perfect timing, just, just oh, oh per beautiful. And I will delight in that, and I can find in myself the desire to want to be that guy. I want to be the clever guy who just shut him down, you know? And, yeah, that's selfish ambition. <laughs> that's what that is exactly, right? I was just talking to somebody after the service, and they were talking about their struggle with their employer insists that they give their preferred pronouns. And I know in my flesh I'd want to put my preferred pronouns are his majesty. I'd want to make a mockery of the whole thing, right? And I know I'd, and I'd want, and I'd want you to know I did it because I'd want you to see how clever I was. And that is what I need to crucify. That's not the wisdom from above. Um, that's that's at least my struggle with this. Is is that? Oh no, no, that's why I'm saying Elijah absolutely does a mic drop moment with the prophets of Baal. Your gods in the bathroom. Why don't you call a little louder, cut a little deeper? Maybe he'll hear you. Maybe he's gone on a journey. I mean, he's mocking them. You know, and, and I doubt, I don't think Elijah in that moment was like, I nailed them. That's the difference, right? So Jesus has some mic drop moments. Who's, I'll answer your question if you answer mine. John's baptism, from man or from God? And they're silenced. If Jesus is thinking, you know, just like, I don't think he is. So, so we can watch from the sidelines and appreciate, because the Proverbs make it clear, a, a fitly spoken word, it's like an apple of golden settings of silver. Like you can, something well said, timely, appropriate. We can be pleased in that. The, the dangerous cousin of it is I want to be the clever guy. I want everyone's applause and approval that the clever guy got. Yeah. And that's precisely what I need to watch out for. When I'm, when I'm, typing and discussing i do a lot less discussing on the internet but man no i here's how i can tell i'd want to show what i said to somebody because i think it was clever the second i've noticed that i want someone to see what i wrote i know where that's coming from like i think that was i think i think i put some spice on that one you should check it out um and so the second that i start to notice that raising up in me i've learned to recognize is that's from hell that's from hell that's not from above that's not from God. So it's not to say that having mic drop moments is bad. My particular craving is to be the one doing it. That is. That's, that's what I'm saying. Does that distinction make sense? Okay.
Okay. Um, I know, no worries. Other questions, thoughts? Oh, yeah, Sarah. I got tons more I can say about all this stuff here. I can just confess my sins to you all. Um, so I was thinking at the end when you were talking about how we say things versus what we say, and I was thinking about how when we are confronting someone, there's always some conflict, yeah. and people naturally feel attacked when they're being told that they're doing the wrong thing. So how do we go about confronting sin, but being loving to the person doesn't feel attacked, but they feel like we are actually trying to support them and help them? Well, you try to, this gets, we'll get to this next week, open to reason, and part of meekness, tying with that is, with meekness receive the implanted word of God. It's the last time James used the word meekness. There's something of teachable about meekness, which of course makes sense if I'm not the measure of all things. If I'm not overly impressed with who I am, you may have something to teach me. So if I'm talking to you, Sarah, okay, let's just create the example. I'm correcting you from spitting on library books. Something ridiculous. Sarah, you need to stop spitting on library books. And you say to me, and you say to me, um, this is ridiculous. There's this good, my brain's kind of fried, so this is as good of an example as I can come up with. But oh, you've been tearing pages out of library books. We'll make that. You've been just ripping apart library books. And I say, Sarah, this needs to stop. What are you doing? And you say, you really seem hot and mean, right? I should pause and see if there's something to what you're saying. Maybe it is that you're just trying to dodge and get out of it because no one likes being confronted. But I need to be willing, if you think of a fishing analogy, I need to be willing to let the fish get away. Cause, but the temptation is, if I get distracted and derailed by that, they're just trying to dodge and deflect, right? Um, okay, Sarah, it, it, it's important to me that I, that I say that, I think I need to say this to you, but it's important to me I say it in a godly way. What, what's coming across as being harsh? What's coming across as, like, how am I, what am I doing? You know what I mean? And sometimes just by asking questions, because I'm not angry. I'm passionate. I think it's important you not tear apart library books. But, Sarah, I'm not your enemy. I'm not angry at you. Um, what, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Well, and sometimes people come up with, with ridiculous things. You know, just wish you'd be nicer. You know, or I wish you'd been kinder, which is an impossible standard. What could I do that someone couldn't respond? I wish you were kind. So I've actually had to say to somebody trying to carefully consider it, I, I will freely admit that I'm sure I could have been kinder. I did give thought to being kind. Do you think I was, are you saying I was unkind? Because maybe I was, but I, I did give thought to being kind. And even where I'll agree, if I'd spent two weeks, I'm being slightly sarcastic, I wouldn't say this because this would sound sarcastic. I'm sure if I spent two weeks praying and thinking about it, I could have been kinder. But God requires I give thought to being kind. He doesn't require that I be, per- there is no like degraded scale of perfect kindness, right? So, so um, sometimes when, some, when someone's saying, I just, I just wish you'd been kinder. Okay, I wish I'd been kinder too. Are you actually like, do you think I did something wrong here? Is there something you'd correct or change differently? Help me see it because I'm not seeing it. Or maybe I am, but what are you actually saying? You know? And sometimes it turns into nothing. No, 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 you're right. I just would like, okay, well, you can pray that I'll grow in my kindness. I will receive that encouragement. Can we now deal with the ripping apart of library books? Or no, maybe you really are bringing a complaint. No, I think you're kind of a jerk. I think you were unkind. Okay, so now you think I was unkind. Okay, now, now we got something to deal with and figure out what was, and then trying to understand where you're coming from. What was I, how was I doing it that made you feel unkind? Um, and sometimes it just turns out, well, you disagreed with me, <laughs> right? And like, okay, uh, 
I don't think we can define unkindness as not agreeing with you. You know, but you're just you're trying to understand where the person's coming from and talk to them. And guess what? It's going to take time, and it might give them time to slip away, and it might let them dodge. But God'll God's not mocked. I don't need to worry about you getting away with something because there's a living God who's not mocked. I just need to be a faithful slave, right? So, like, I, I can be willing to let this drag on four times as long because every time I talk to Sarah, every time I do, she complains about how I could have been kinder. And if I'm meek and I'm not overly concerned with my self-importance, I'll take the time, okay, let's hear you out. Maybe this time I was impatient. Maybe this time I was unkind, harsh, right? Um, so that's, I think, what it has to look like. The temptation is to be like, you're just trying to dodge this. And so I just ignore what you're saying. Well, you do that long enough, you're going to start giving yourself license to be a jerk. I know I did. I certainly did. Um, and so I'm sure there are other ways demonic wisdom can come in. I can mainly, mainly speak to my own temptations and my own struggles. But eventually, especially when talking to someone multiple times, the temptation is to be like, I'm done being patient and long-suffering and gentle and meek with you. I'm going to put some spice on it. You know, I'm going to put a little sword thrusts in here and there, you know, and use my tongue like poison here and there. Make it sting a little. Yeah, that's, that's demonic. Even if I'm completely and totally right. When I, when I was at Word of Life, Bible Institute, I, uh, brand new believer, and um, I, I get dumped in there, and I'm literally arguing with the professors in class every day. And so I feel like I'm alone. I'm, I, and I start getting this like prophet complex. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the prophets were alone. And guess what? I wasn't. Meek. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't ask for and seek, and therefore I didn't walk in the wisdom of how do I disagree with and ask difficult questions of professors. Eventually what I learned to do is do it, out, do it outside a classroom. The way Word of Life worked was that they got good teachers in, but they do... 500 students, one teacher. So, I, I mean, I remember, this is how bad it got. The professor looks around, says, before I move on, any questions? I'm like, he does this. All right, moving on. And what I began to realize is that I wasn't honoring them. And I, try, I began to, I got some, some good friends challenged me. Because some people are just like, why do you have to always argue? And because like, the truth matters. So it's not as simple as don't argue, but how I argue, when I argue, what I would do. And so I, I, towards the end of my year there, I committed to only ask questions I didn't know the answers to instead of questions that were meant to try to like trip them up. And if I was going to do that, to do it outside of class in their offices or whatever. Because I remember, I remember uh, one of the things we were talking about is repentance. Um, Word of Life was very, is very committed to decisionalism, non-lordship, non-commitment. So they would say salvation is a two-step process. You get saved, and then at some later point, you decide to follow Jesus and commit your life to him and stuff. And, and so one of the critical points of discussion is what repentance means. So I had this professor telling me repentance, it's, it's, a, it's a word fallacy, um, metanoieo, to think afterward, afterthought, a change of mind. And so he's like, all repentance means is to change, because there are clearly are passages where repentance becomes a condition for salvation. Unless you repent, you will perish. Great Commission in Luke, repentance and forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed. So you can't say repentance has nothing to do with the gospel. You just, if you want to argue this, say when it is connected to the gospel, it just means changing your mind. And he was going through uh, Revelation where Jesus is rebuking the churches. Unless you repent, I will come and fight amongst you with the sword of my mouth. 
And I remember raising my hand, feeling very pleased with myself, and saying, Professor Wicks, what exactly is it that Jesus wants them to change their mind about? Which is the perfect example of my demonic wisdom at work. I was very clever. I was dishonoring them. It was clear. I wasn't asking a genuine question. I was trying to argue with them. I was trying to shame them. I was trying to mock them. Um, And it was wicked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I still talked to them and tried to work through this because I think the things mattered and truth matters. And I would make arguments outside of class and I, I began to limit my questions to only, I really don't know the answer to this. Um, and I still asked a fair number of questions, but I, I, I believe God showed me at least some evil in what I was doing. Like, stop trying to be a smart guy. You know, that, that, I wish my, my mom never said it to me, but man, I say it to my kids all the time. Uh, her father would say to her, Barbara, be good, and let others, if they will, be clever. <laughs> yes, Don! Uh, um, <laughs> you made a, a, a distinction between uh, uh, being nice and being kind. Uh, at least I, I do. Um, I, I don't think Jesus was really a nice person, but he was never unkind. Correct. Well, that, uh, that's what I was saying. Nice, nice for us basically means inoffensive, non-controversial, shallow, and smiley. Uh-huh. In that sense, nice is not a Christian virtue. Um, nice is not a Christian virtue. And I think we do need to take Paul's, uh, the Holy Spirit through Paul, uh, his admonition, uh, to as, as much as is impossible, be at peace with all men. Yeah. But sometimes it, I can be as peaceable as I can be, right. even through the Holy Spirit, yeah. and not be at peace with that right. person. I can no. be peaceable, but not at peace. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Because sin breaks relationships. I mean, if right. there's sin... So the, getting back to my notion of like when things get sideways in a conversation, sin breaks peace. It's what it does. It's why ultimately unrepentant sin, we, we kick people out because we're, we can't be at peace. We can't pretend we're at peace. Sin has divided this. Um, and so we can be peacemakers. We can't guarantee peace will happen, but we need to make sure if there is division, it's over truth. And it's over sin and not over how I said it. So, no, it may be that when I rebuke, try to, so if, if I'm going to rebuke Sarah for tearing up the library books, how would I rebuke her as, 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 a, as a sister, as a, as a young woman? How would I do that appropriately? Um, who might I want to do that with, be appropriate, you know, if I'm going to do that? Um, and she, she may spit in my face and storm off and we're not at peace. I, this is, gets back to Second Timothy 2.24. The Lord's slave or bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God will grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. God does not hold me responsible for whether or not they listen. God does not hold me responsible for whether or not I win them. Which means it's entirely possible that I could do everything perfectly right. I could not be quarrelsome. I could be kind. I could be willing to be wronged. I could gently correct. And they could tell me to go to hell, right? And I've been faithful. The converse is also true. I might win them in spite of me being a jerk. God might grant repentance. So I can't conclude I won this person, therefore I did it right, or this one ended badly and they stormed off and therefore I did it wrong. I just measure myself on that metric. Was I kind? Was I quarrelsome? Was I willing to be wronged or unwilling to be wronged? Was I gentle in correcting them? And I was faithful or unfaithful to the degree I did that. And God says he decides whether they repent and listen. 
And so that's not how I measure the metric, which is precisely, for me at least, what I got to argue against, because I'm thinking, I'll, I'll make the point, I'll, they'll see that I'm right. They'll, I'll win them around if I just push a little further. And that's not my job. It's not my responsibility. I'm not the Holy Spirit. And that's what I got to keep telling myself. I mean, what you're hearing this morning, and I know it might be slanted, is what I have to preach to myself all the time. Um, because I'm wired. Oh, man. I'll, I'll do one other story. I used to be, <laughs> my, here's the funny thing. My wife and I went to school, uh, we're all together at school, at college with Daniel Moore. Daniel Moore was there. Daniel was married, and so Serena, who thought he was interesting for conversation, would never eat at his table at lunch unless I was there, because I was Daniel's friend. And so basically she put up with my annoyance so she could have these good conversations because she didn't feel comfortable sitting with a married man by herself. Um, because I just debated. And so with Daniel... He's rational. We can have some really good debates. No one's feelings get hurt. That we can be intense debates. If you've ever seen Daniel and I get in a debate or something, you can have really, really strong, robust debate. It's good. Um, but I would just do that with everybody, and it's easy to overpower people. I mean, I recognize that deer in headlights look. And so when you'd finally make a point they didn't have an immediate comeback for, man, that's, I'd learned, that's just when you dump. And here's 27 other reasons. And the Lord humbled me through the humility of another one of his subjects. When I was working at Camp Good News, uh, I carpooled with a gal. We were driving back to camp. I didn't know her very well. And we were discussing some theological point about something or other that I felt passionate. Newsflash, I felt very strongly about and was convinced I was right about. And I do believe I had the right of the matter. It's, it's immaterial for the point, right? Um, and I remember her finally having the humility to say what I wish I'd heard someone say before. Because it I did the thing. I gave the first point. She's like, I don't know. And I said, this and this and this and this. And she said to me, I, she had gone to New Tribes, a mission school. I know I was taught this, and I'm ashamed I didn't pay better attention, but I, I do believe their answers, and if you give me some time, I'll get back to you. And I realized that what I was doing was, by implication, saying, if you cannot answer me right here and right now, you need to concede that I'm right. And her humility and willingness to say, I, I'm ashamed that I'm not prepared to answer you because I was taught this stuff. But give me some time. That, oh, man, that was so convicting. And how often am I bully, basically bullying people in a debate? And so now what I try to do when I remember, when God gives grace, is, hey, you think about this. Get back to me. But here's some things to consider that I, I think are compelling, that I think are, are you know, because the alternative isn't then don't believe about truth because sometimes we get in arguments. You just got to be peaceable. Like, I got a lot of reasons why I think this is right, but I want to make it clear. You take all the time you want, but I would love to hear what you think if you've had time to think through it. If you've, if, I'd love for you to consider these other three or four points and get back to me, you know. Um, so there are ways that you can still make strong arguments and you can still be zealous for truth and not be a jerk. But it took this girl's humility of her own weakness and, and what she saw as her lack of preparedness to show me just what a bully I was being, you know? Um, these are the lessons I've had to learn, and uh, I'm still learning them. It's, if you think I'm bad now, just I was way worse then. Uh, and uh, the, 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 this is at least how demonic wisdom crops up in my life. Um, thoughts, questions on that? Going further. Dawn, again. <laughs> Um, again, it, 
I think you mentioned it too that that it's not as much what we do or or don't do, but the reason why the rub in that is often the reason we do it is several layers below what we believe it is. Um, the other thing is, uh, as James talks about, what's the source? Is the source the Holy Spirit or is it the devil? Yeah. The temptation of Jesus, Matthew 4, both Satan and Jesus use scripture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, that's, that's the picture in my mind is Satan has got, can quote some good theology. Oh, you believe God's one. Oh, you got the right biblical position, do you? Well, Satan can confess God's one. Clever. Good for you. And, and that's, that's completely insufficient. It's one wing of the plane. Truth is an essential part of the equation. No question. Completely insufficient on its own. Um, the truth and love is, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and you got people that said you divorce truth. A lot of the, the liberal church, we're just going to be super nice. Who cares about truth? We're just going to affirm everybody. Well, that's the plane's going to crash too, right? I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like pitting one against the other. They're both essential. James is just looking at the practicalness. If the results and the fruit you're bearing, this is working backwards. If the fruit I'm bearing is conflict and sore toes and division and resentments, I can be confident I'm not operating in the wisdom from God. And if you and I are talking and it gets heated, we somehow, somewhere, demonic wisdom got interjected in this conversation, Don. Let's pause and figure out how it got in and try to get it out. Like, the, am, I, am I being aggressive? Or are you, what's going on? And, and sorting it out and then moving forward. You know, that's been probably one of the most helpful tips in my own spiritual life is being able to pause, notice that either that deer in headlights look in someone's eyes, oh, oh, oh. I'm probably coming on too strong here, aren't I? You know, and sort of trying to clear the... I think this is important. We can take all the time we need to work through this. Where are you at? What's going on? Or if someone starts being caustic or sarcastic towards me, I've said, I'm not your enemy. Do you think I'm... I think you're beginning to talk to me like you think I'm your enemy. Am I doing something to make you think I'm your enemy? Because I I don't. I love you and I want to care about... You know, and just trying to figure out, like, where, where did this thing go south? Where did this thing... Where did this thing go wrong? And not just ignoring it and saying, well, that's just the cost of doing business sometimes when you get in arguments. Um, yes, Lee. And I, I think as I listen to all this, that what comes to my mind is what... Uh, Microphone. What comes to my mind is... Uh, You're good. Okay, what comes it's to my... It's not being amplified. It's oh, being recorded. Gotcha. What comes to my mind is... The question of motivation, because once again, it's who are you speaking for? Are you speaking for yourself to be the big hero, the big wise guy, the one with the mic drop? Or are you really trying to minister God's word and his love and his care for the people? Right. So. Well, and apparently in speaking the truth and love, there are even times to be sarcastic and caustic. There are a couple examples in Paul. And I think the great temptation is for someone like me to think those times are way more frequent than they are. I mean, I remember Jay Adams in his commentary on 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, where Paul uses some of the starks. You're wise and we're foolish. You're rich and we're poor. You know, I mean, it's, it's sarcasm. No question about it. Um, or in Galatians, I wish that those who promote circumcision would go all the way and emasculate themselves. Right? You know, go varsity. Um, and knowing the times to do that, 
right? And not just doing it because I've wanted to say something sharp for the last three hours and now I finally have a, like that part of me has got to die. It may well be the time, like it may well be the time to say something strong. It may probably less frequently than I think, be the time to say something even caustic. There apparently are some circumstances. The part of me that's looking forward to like maybe today I will get to say something bitingly sarcastic needs to be crucified on the cross with Christ and needs to die. When that day comes, I need to not think like, yeah. And right now, if I could say that really witty, sharp, devastating, cutting remark, I would love it. And the part of me that would love it is evil. That's, that's really the point. Um, I, which is why I'm saying I think it can be done. I just don't think Elijah or Jesus or Paul are thinking, zinga, you know, when they did it. They, they did it almost unintentionally. Their focus is on God and his honor or, or these people in front of them. Their focus isn't on five points for Paul, you know. Um, did you guys catch that? I mean, I mean that's, that's the thing that's so evil about Facebook. Facebook's like, how many people liked what I said? Oh, 15 people liked what I said. You know, um, oh, now 27 people liked what I said. And uh, it's just it's like pouring gas on a flame. Um, okay, other questions. You got 15 minutes. Deb. I've been thinking a lot about this whole topic and uh, also what uh, was mentioned about the way you interpret the scripture you're reading. And one of my problems is when I get to being face down is tone of voice. Mm. Your tone of voice stinks. And yes, it does, because I've already told you I'm in pain. And how do you sort out the stuff that you end up dumping on other people when you're totally right, whether it's with your kids or your spouse? It's usually family when family gets the tone of voice. And usually I say nothing when, but even now, I can hear myself being sharp because I'm in pain. And there's nothing I can do about the pain. And I understand that, Lord. I trust you, but... Gosh, would you make it go away? I think then it's either the time to hold your tongue or work harder. But the, but the solution would be, while you've got that log in your eye, while you've got that bad tone, don't speak. Well, let me give you another example of some more demonic wisdom that I'm susceptible to. I know that if I put enough anger and edge in my words with my kids, I can get them to do what I want most of the time. So here's the temptation. My kids are acting up. They need some parenting. They need some instruction. They need some correction. They need me to get up, stop what I'm doing, and go parent them. And it may well involve correction. It may well involve discipline. But I know I can stay right where I am with a little, stop it, and get what I want in the moment. There's, the wisdom has some internal logic. It works relatively frequently. I got a pretty good chance of getting what I want, which is some peace and quiet and continue working or doing whatever I'm doing. And the wisdom from hell says, do it. Ends justify the means. You got them to leave you alone, right? And so my wife and I, noticing this temptation, are calling each other on it. So I I always spot it in her. She always spots it in me because that's the way we work. I see other people's sins, not my own. So I'll have to say to Serena, don't get angry at them. Correct them. 
And she'll say the same, Jeremy, the, the question is, am I going to beat you with my tongue? Is that what I'm going to do? Or, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll discipline you if it's warranted. That's fine. But the temptation is just, I'm just going to hit you with my tongue. Proverbs, there's ones whose words are like drawn swords. Um, the tongue of the wise brings healing. And I can get what I want. And what I want isn't ungodly. I want my children to stop misbehaving, and I want to keep working on this sermon. And so then I become a pragmatist. And so I know what will quickly get that accomplished. And just hit him with my tongue. And it's evil. Right, it's demonic. Yes. And yet it's so compelling in the moment. The logic makes sense, which is why I think James dresses it up. Because if you just say, well, that's not good, you're not going to resist it. But I've got to preach to myself. I just listened to the Council of Demons and how I parented. Parenting by Demons 101, right? I mean, that's what I'm doing. I got to dress it up as evil and as ugly as it is, or I'm not going to take it seriously. Because loving people is messy and it takes time and it's hard work. And so the simple way is just to bark at them and get them to leave me alone and, okay, I got some peace and quiet now, you know. Which isn't to say I don't at times give a sharp rebuke to my children. But it's not because to get out of having to do work. You know, the one, the one thing with my kids that... Uh, I really try to root out his bullying when the bigger kids um, use their strength of the little ones. And so I've had some strong words with Abner, with Zadok, sometimes in bullying and, and making it clear that's not okay and I, I find that reprehensible. And, and letting them, I mean, it's not nice. But it's measured and I believe it's appropriate and it's in love and it's not just whipped out, you know, like a whip. It's, it's, it's purposeful, and it's in a context of restoration where we're going to hug at the end. And every, so it's not to say there isn't a place for some hard words, words that even have an edge. But I know when I'm doing it because I'm being lazy, and I, when I'm doing it because this is part of what it means to correct and, and instruct and rebuke my children. I know the difference. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's some more demonic wisdom that I can tend to listen to. And she just got us, yeah, when, I'm sure each of us is going to have different lies we're tempted to believe. And you've got to start spotting them and rebuking them and confessing them for what they are and not minimizing them. Yes, Don? Um, in parenting and, 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 and working in with ourselves, you know, it's, the gospel isn't about behavior modification. It's about heart change. Right. I can't change my own heart, but I can do open my heart to God to change. Mm. And so what, what does God, what would God, um, what would God want me to do that I can, can do in the strength that he's given me to open myself to the, so that he, he can, he can do what I can't do. All right. Um, he, he will, again, again, uh, without G, without God, I can do nothing. But if I do nothing, it's without God. <laughs> I like that. I like that. No, and parenting's a mixed bag because I want to get at my kids' hearts. And other times it's, put the stick down! You know, like, it's, I'm not immediately interested in what's in your heart. I'm interested in, like, you not poking out your sister's eye. And so it's a mixed bag of, like, that. But absolutely. Absolutely. Any other? You got 10 minutes. Any other? Yes. So this is very idealistic on on this whole thought, but for me, I go back to, I think it's Matthew 4, where 
Jesus dealt with the lies of Satan when he was being tempted and he would quote, but it is written. And so when I think of when you're dealing with children and or you're dealing with pain, Debbie, or, or whatever, you're, you're trying to think of a verse to help you, mm. help you in the moment, like mm. the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And so when I'm feeling that anger and I'm very frustrated, I know I've got to bridle my tongue. I've just got to not say anything. and I've got to say some verse to myself that's going to help me respond rightly, where I've got to think of a word story. And so I was told a story like, what does the child learn when the father pulls into the driveway, doesn't see the bike, runs over the bike, and then gets mad at the child for leaving the bike in the driveway rather than being mad at himself for not noticing the bike in the driveway. Well, he teaches the child to get angry when things don't go their right. way. Right. And so it's what am I really teaching the child when I lose my temper? Right. Well, that's, that's, that's the point that's not as obvious in English, but what James says in the heart, selfish ambition and bitter jealousy are what he says are the source of all conflicts fighting in war in the in in in, in the community so every argument and every quarrel sinful quarrel and every sinful fight finds its root in jealousy and desire i want i must have or the flip side i refuse to have you know i mean the desire and fear are the flip sides i want people to think well of me i'm afraid to be look like a fool right i mean so you can frame it either way you want to come at it but i want something or i'm afraid of getting something and then our anger is usually give it to me i'm going to basically bully you or i didn't get what i wanted now i will punish you you know i wanted to do what i wanted to do instead i'm going to costco so i'm going to sulk the whole way and make you regret ruining my day off, you know, or whatever. And so that's all coming up. I think Mitchell McClure will be preaching that text, James. I, when, when we were figuring out the schedule, I'm like, but I wanted to do James 4, 1 to 2. But I think Mitchell's in a couple of weeks to be doing that. But really, as we've been talking, 4, 1 to 2 is just, let me, it's as if James is saying, let me, let me show you. Because he has such strong things to say about those two things, selfish ambition and bitter jealousy. I mean, what he basically said, if that's taking place, you don't have wisdom. That's a pretty categorical statement. And 4, 1 to 2 is going to show why. Let me show you how every conflict, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you, my brothers? Is it not this? Your desires that wage war within you, desire and you cannot have, so you fight and you kill and you murder, right? I mean, this is it. This is the source of all your quarrels and all your fights. All the strife in the body come down to these two things. So 4, 1 to 2 is going to show it in action what he's stating in principle here. So that's where we're going and uh that's our five minute warning so actually we can take time for one more question or thought or observation or we can go five minutes don another comment that um again what what you're just just saying about the selfish ambition the thing those emotions can be uh emotions are are uh, to quote, quote somebody else are lousy leaders, yeah, but they're wonderful windows mm. um, to see what. Okay, to be aware of what 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 am I feeling and what what emotion is coming up, 
and what and look, let's take a look at that and see okay what what's going on that, that's a little yellow or red flag saying something's something's wrong here some you, you need to pay attention to this um and 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 see that mm. because out of the heart are the issues of life out of the the, the behaviors the words yeah are are, are sourced from the heart mm. so. well and, and don't get the don't miss the flow of logic in james we start with the tongue and then the wisdom that guides the tongue because of course the tongue and strife it's really hard to quarrel and fight without saying things i, mean, I suppose it's possible but let's be honest <laughs> It's the tongue. So he starts with the tongue and bitter spring. And that's one of the connecting thoughts I forgot to even make is bitter, bitter jealousy. He's just used the word bitter about springs with bitter water and fresh water. So it's a synthetic development of thought. Let's start with the tongues. Now we're moving to the the logic and the rationale that undergirds the use of the tongue. And then we're going to look at it in a in exa- perfect example. Next week, we'll look at godly wisdom and try to really unpack. Because you want to understand what he means by meekness. It's going to be everything he says about being open to reason, gentle, peaceable, patient, and harvest of righteousness. And that's also going to help, by contrast, show what it means to be selfishly ambitious and zealous. Because these two things are opposites, right? So next week, it'll be primarily the positive look. But even that positive look will help to inform by relief the, the negative side. So what are some things that I can do uh, if I have this tendency? Mm. Uh, I, I have it too. Uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> wanting to show that I'm right, that I know that I'm not an idiot. That, uh, okay. what are, what are, here's, some, here's some pointers. I could have had eight points on the bottom of the insert, but I only did three. One, make a point when, you, when the Lord gives you the grace to see you've used this type of wisdom. Confess it for what it is and don't minimize it. That would be my first point. Like When God dresses things up and uses stronger terms, resist the urge to minimize. Yeah, sorry I got short with you. Sorry I was a little gruff. In fact, in my house... Either my wife or I have the right to ask the other person. We'll usually say, can, can you unpack that for me? We don't always confess this way, but the point being, you always need to be able to. So if I say something to my wife, hey, Serena, sorry I was, I was gruff with you a little earlier. It's been a long day. Gruff, huh? Can you uh, say that biblically? And, and she could use that as a weapon, but she doesn't. And that's when I'll say, okay, no, no, fair enough. I am sorry I made war with you with my mouth. I treated you as my enemy because I valued something more than my marriage covenant to you. And I was fighting for it. I, uh, I, was, I, I, I stopped walking in the light. I adopted demonic wisdom and I acted on it. It was a sin against God and a sin against you. Will you please forgive me? <laughs> Sins to one another, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. So, so my, my advice to be to begin with is, especially when the Lord's showing any area in your life of, of, of habitual sin, use biblical terms, avoid minimizing. Um, and the second would be to confess to those you've used your tongue in a demonic way towards and try to more and more name it for what it is as well. That's going to be humbling. That's going to be hard. So, Lord, I commit that when you show me that I have used this type of wisdom and I've used it against other people, I will go to those people, seek them out, and seek their forgiveness. 
Make that commitment. Because as you start to do that more, because really, and then the third thing I say is when you start to recognize patterns of where you're tempted to be impatient, where you're tempted to be unkind, um, you're going to deal with someone you know is challenging to deal with, pray beforehand before you go meet with them. If you can see the temptation coming, I, I really, I mean, like you said with family members, right? My, my sister's coming over. My cousin's coming over. Lord, I need to pray before they get here because I know they can push my buttons and I can just go off on them, right? So when you can see danger coming, prepare, pray. Jesus survived the temptation in the garden because he p- prayed, right? Okay, time's up. Thank you, folks. God bless.